You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. The day is finally here for all of you that have wondered, pondered, and questioned. Will we ever on the Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall podcast hear from Dan Duvall's wife? I'm excited to tell you that today is the day that she will be introducing herself to all of you, and I can't wait. She's amazing, fantastic, insightful, and you're going to love her. But before we bring her on, I have a few things to say, and I'm going to try to keep this quick, but I do need to say them. One, praise God, the book, Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth, is off to the printer's. The manuscript is finalized, approved, and we will be receiving those books from the printers around the 20th or 21st of February, at which point we are going to do a massive pack and ship and get those out to all of you that have pre-ordered as fast as possible. The emails are continuing to come in. You guys are asking where's my book? I ordered my book. Where's my book? And I'm telling you guys, we are going to get them to you as soon as we have them. So look forward to that. Also, we have a prayer class coming up and it is going to begin on March 12th, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we're going to go eight weeks every Monday night beginning March 12th. We'll be having a sign up for that class coming soon. And I'm just thanking God that I've finally been able to get that course outlined. On the back of that, we are going to be releasing a prayer ministry at Bride Ministries. We've built a team of coaches and we've provided solutions for survivors that are journeying a background of satanic ritual abuse and trying to get free from that. Also, dissociative identity disorder due to government-sponsored mind control. And those of you that follow this podcast know all about that. But one of the things we've been lacking in is catering to those of you that just have a prayer request. Say, I have this need right now or this thing's going wrong right now. I just need someone to pray for my situation. And and we have not been equipped to handle that kind of a need. But we are going to be releasing that ministry through Bride at the uh, end of this prayer class once we've trained up some folks and received some volunteers. So look forward to the ministry expanding to offer prayer ministry on the back of that. I'm also excited that we're going to be having our first Bride Ministries get-together. It, it's a retreat. We're going to be meeting in person. And and this is really for those of you that have been part of the Fireplace Church and have been part of our growing community because we want to shake your hand. We want to meet you in person, You know, give you a hug. Uh, So we're really excited about this. Now, you're not going to have access to be able to sign up for this unless you've been attending the Fireplace Church and have had it explained to you how this is working. But we're excited about that. You know, we're kind of moving to this hybrid state of the organization where we have an international reach. We have this platform. But then we are also consolidating. We have the Fireplace Church, which is a smaller community. And then we have a local community being built up in the Dallas area. And within that local community, we are now beginning to do monthly prayer meetings. And I'm going to share a quick testimony about that because we had this meeting just this fourth 
Friday of January. We'll be doing it the fourth Friday of every month throughout the year of 2018. But the location where we had our meeting has been blessed. And they were believing God for increased finances. And things for them had been stalemated. I'm not going to give the details of the business or the exact nature of the situation. But let's just say their business was generating enough to stay open but not to pay the owner a salary. Well, within a week and a half of us having our prayer meeting, everything shifted and they are on track to bring in literally double the income that they were bringing in for the past two years. And that is on the back of this prayer meeting that we were able to hold in their facility. So I just give all the glory to Jesus and say, look, God is moving and we expect to see radical shifts in the Dallas area throughout the year. So keep your eyes on the news for stuff. I know we are. Uh, there's another testimony, but I'm not going to take the time to share it today. Here's the thing, guys. We just want those of you that support us to know how much we appreciate you. This is the last piece. For those of you that donated significantly last year, you received either A, a DVD from us as a gift and a thank you, or a bride tribe engraved notebook and a DVD for our higher donors. And that's just our way of saying thank you. We appreciate you. We love you. For those of you that have been giving or have given $100 or more in the year of 2017, you now have access to the Fireplace Church archives that have been hidden. They are not public, but they are being offered and made available to all of our financial supporters as an added bonus, a blessing, a way for us to say, look, this is our way to say thank you and to engender some positivity and say, you know, we really appreciate your sacrifice. And so that is exclusive content. Now, anyone can be part of the Fireplace Church on uh, Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time by just going to the website, bridemovement.com, and clicking the link and joining. But for those of you that have been financial supporters, you will have access to all of those archives which are not publicly available or being posted like this podcast and our former productions for the Fireplace Church. So thank you to all of our financial supporters. And if you've been thinking about jumping on board with us as a financial supporter, there's no time like the present. Just go to bridemovement.com. There's a donate button. We also have a P.O. Box address you can look up there to send a check or money order or just to send a nice letter and say, hey, this is what I want you guys to know. Uh, We appreciate the letters. Every time someone writes a letter to our P.O. Box, I read it. And some of those letters have been very heartfelt, and I I just have blessed me personally. With that said, I'm done. Folks, I am going to introduce you to my wife, Christian. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Folks, there is something that many of you have been waiting for, asking for, thinking about. Who is Dan Duvall's wife and will she ever be a guest on Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall? The good news is that 
Today is the day. That's right. Today is the day I am introducing you all to my lovely, beautiful, gorgeous wife, Christian. And the most profound thing is that not only has God blessed me with a beautiful, gorgeous wife. Yes, I use both of those terms independently, one of the other, but also an extremely proficient, intelligent, high-capacity woman. And so, without going too much further, Christian, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and for being willing to introduce yourself to the listening audience. You're welcome, Dan. Thanks for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Christian, we have so much to talk about because here's the thing. During our courtship, our marriage, our wedding, after our marriage, the listening audience for Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall did not get the updates on our story. As a matter of fact, I wasn't telling it. I, I was pretty quiet, knowing that at some point, one day in the future, the whole story would be told. And so today, I think we need to tell the story so that everybody can catch up with just what happened, how we met, and how we got married, and what's transpired since then. First thing, though, I want you to just introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about your background and where you were at in your life when we first met. So I'm originally from Michigan, and um, for various reasons, um, it was on my heart to actually um, go to college in, in California. I went to Stanford University and did an undergraduate in engineering. From there, I went on worked in uh, consulting and for um, for the government as well as for companies. I worked um, in finance in New York City, working um, doing asset management essentially. And um, from there, I went on to Harvard Business School. And um, post that, I worked in finance again. I worked at a pharmaceutical company doing mergers and acquisitions. And finally, at a, um, at a national retailer doing uh, international business development. And so um, by the time I met you, Daniel, I was uh, exhausted <laughs> from uh, working extensive 18-hour days um, on a very rigorous, pursuing a very rigorous education track as well as a professional track. And um, even though I, I'd grown up uh, knowing the Lord and loving the Lord, I was just uh, pretty, pretty drained from having pushed uh, my life forward and accomplished a lot, um, obviously with the grace of Jesus Christ, but not always with the real sense of identity about what my full uh, calling and mandate would be. And so uh, that's where I was when, but before I met you. And I was just in New York, uh, New York City working at a, a retail company, working from, I would get up at 5 and, you know, probably start working at 5 a.m. because I had international client, had international business, get to work at 7, work till 7, then work another, you know, 10, about 3, 4 hours uh, before I head to bed. So five hours of sleep, one meal a day, and uh, incredibly bankrupt <laughs> from, from uh, a spiritual perspective. My goodness. My. Now, folks, let me tell you guys how we first com communicated. Because we did have a communication before I knew who Christian was. 
And that was a few years back when she sent me an email. And it said, you know, my name's Christian, and I would like to get a hold of one of your guests on your program. Do you have their contact information? And I said, thank you for writing us, sir. And that's because Christian is actually a very unique name for females. I sent my future wife an email at that time not knowing that she was even female. I thought that was really funny later on. <laughs> but after that, she first showed up as part of the Bride Ministries Discipleship courses in the beginning of 2016. And I didn't see her face. I didn't know who she was from anyone. But I will tell you on my end, and, and some of you that were part of those discipleship courses will remember, she had very insightful comments and I loved to let her talk, and I would pick on her intentionally um, because I found that she just had so much life in her responses and the things that she shared. It really blessed the entire class, and that really set me up for a, a big trip up when I actually saw her face on the webcam and realized that not only was she very, very insightful, she was also kind of cute. And cute. <laughs> going into my mindset back then, I was trying to keep things very, very, um, you know, light. And so that's, that's what went through my mind. And, and <laughs> sweetie, how did you stumble into our discipleship course? So I think um, the truth is my journey would go back to finding out about you in 20. 14, I believe, and uh, at that time I went on a media fast, but I was uh, drawn to um, some of this alternative reality because I realized that what I was seeing on the news was not exactly the whole story. So I started getting interested in a lot of your series and listening to your podcasts and didn't have anybody to talk about it with, so I would make my mom listen to the podcast. I would make my sister say, do you love me? But listen to this podcast so we could talk about it. And so I've been listening to your podcast for years. And then um, in late 2015, God began to put it on my heart to sew into your ministry. And I said, okay, okay, so and he said, sew into to Bride Ministries. I said, okay, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. Sew into Bride Ministries. And so it wasn't until Thanksgiving, it was November 2015, when I invited over a group of um, people to my house, and it was this young girl who had just gotten saved. And she said, you know, and I told her, I said, you know, I've been, I've been struggling with this. God told me so into this person's ministry, and I haven't done it yet. And she said, you know, Christian, delayed obedience is disobedience. And I took that rebuke from that 22-year-old girl, and I said, you're absolutely right. She was 20 at the time, and I said, I'm sewing into the ministry. So I started sewing into the ministry, and um, it wasn't more than a few weeks later that God said, take his discipleship classes. And I said... I don't really know about that. God said, take his discipleship classes. I'm like, God, I don't really just sit underneath anybody. Like, I've been saved a long time. I don't really just become disciple. Like, it's podcast. I'm not going to just sit and just be, quote, unquote, disciple by just anybody. Take his discipleship classes. Okay. So I signed <laughs> up for two of the discipleship classes. And um, out of obedience to, to the Lord, to the leading of the Lord. And... Um, it was incredible, life-changing. When I say I've been, I've been um, a recovering Pentecostal is what I call it, because I was a 
saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues at six um, slash seven and told very quickly that, you know, now, now that you're saved, you're at the age of accountability. And if the rapture comes, you're going to hell. So I was with this excessive fear of the Lord. Like if I didn't eat the rest of my peas, I would go to hell, you know? So I had this complete religious programming operating and separating me from God. And so uh, Dan's in Christ class completely transformed my life. I mean, by class three, I was just in a ball of tears while he was just talking because so much of what I had assumed about God and the things that kept me from developing the deep relationship with God as father um, was just being dismantled before my eyes. And it was a really beautiful thing. So that really transformed my life and um, in, in, a, in a lot of ways. And so I was really grateful that I had taken those classes. And so at that point, that probably brings us to around April when the first uh, round of, uh, or March, when the first round of discipleship classes, March 2016, that the first round of discipleship classes were over. And at which point I get an email from, from Dan Duvall. Yeah, yes. And, and so I was seeking God on how to advance his kingdom. And, and he said, you need to send Christian an email. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. So I sent her an email and I, and you know, one of the things that God told me was just keep it business, which was key. It was actually really important because at the time, uh, Christian was single, but uh, very intentionally single and, and potential suitors did not fare well with that situation she was in. And so I didn't know anything, uh, but what I did know was that she had made several comments during the course of the first round of discipleship in 2016 to say, you know, wow, this this woman really has a handle on business, and I need a business person. I really need that skill set at Bride Ministries if we're going to go where God is taking us, because I don't have certain components of experience and knowledge base that this ministry needs to go to another level. And so I, I initially wrote her just to try to get an idea of you know, her background and possibly how she could help the ministry. And then we got on the phone and had a chat. And uh, then we had another chat. We had a, a couple touch bases, at which point it's allegedly said that I mentioned I was single. I, I don't know that that's actually true or not. But what I do know Can is I that I had very pure motives the whole no. time. So that's that's my version, guys, and I'm sticking to it. Okay. So I actually asked Daniel when we got to how we met, were we going to tell the truth or his version? And it seems like we're going to tell both. So here's what really happened. Daniel did reach out to me, and um, he reached out to me in the email and said, hey, like, talk about business, and I love Jesus. So I'm like, okay, of course, I'll talk about, you know, how it can be helpful to bride ministries. And at, at that point, bless me quite a bit. And um, what I didn't tell Daniel until we were pretty much almost engaged is, you know, between the time when he reached out to me and, and the time that we actually got on the phone and talked for the first time, I had had a dream. And in the dream, um, and this is a real dream, this isn't a figment of my imagination or me like imagining this. Um, we were in heaven, Daniel and I, and I was dancing with Daniel's spirit and it was a wedding and we were at a wedding reception and, um, there was like, it was like a folksy wedding. So Daniel's spirit was huge 
and it had on like a military uniform, but it was a kind of military uniform you'd wear like at a ball, not to go out to battle. And there were so many folks, see, there's all these bright lights and they were on us and they were dancing around us in a circle and clapping and cheering. And I had on this dress, but it wasn't like the super elegant dress, whatever. It was just a, a nice little folksy dress. And I'm dancing with this huge guy. It was Daniel, only a little slightly better looking, honey. And, and huge, just really, re you're very handsome, dear. Very, very tall guy. And, he, and, and I was dancing with him and I remember being like, I should be afraid of him. He's kind of huge, but I'm not. I'm not afraid of him. I love him. And he's ho, ho, kind of jolly, like ho, 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 like a Santa Claus kind of figure. Anyway, so I remember that dream and feeling, you know, just like, oh, that's really great. And, um, and then immediately thought that this is really, really weird because what I had known was that Daniel was married because I listened to his podcast. And so I'm like, this is just weird. I'm putting this away and never taking it back out. Maybe it wasn't Daniel, it was someone else. And so at that time, I didn't know he was actually divorced and had, and, and had already been divorced by that point. So anyway, so that was the story. I just put that away in my mind and um, got on a conversation with Daniel. And he just asked me about my background. We had a very casual conversation. But honestly, and fellas, you know, you guys do this. Daniel wanted to make it excessively clear to me that he was single. And it was a little awkward. And I just said, OK, I'm going to just. I'm not going to tell him whether or not I'm single. I'm going to keep it professional, keep it business, and just let that awkward comment hang out there. And it was something like this. People wonder how I can do all things I do. I'm so busy. It's because I'm single. I'm single. <laughs> it was so obvious. So, so the vote is out. Who's right? Who knows? Here's the thing, guys. Uh, as as things went forward, um, we, we we began to touch base every now and again, and Christian signed up to be a moderator for the Fireplace Church as we were in the process of launching it, along with a whole number of other people that have been part of the discipleship courses in the first round and also in the second round, and. And, and while we were in the gearing up phase for the launch of the Fireplace Church, I found myself taking a trip to New York City because I drove from New York City to Montauk. And that's where Elena and I, who was a survivor and came on my podcast to talk about it, went to Camp Hero in New York and prayed on the land, a territorial warfare type situation. And there was a podcast that's still up. You guys can listen to it called Montauk Boots on the Ground. I had Elena on the podcast and we were talking. She shared, I shared the experience of going to Montauk and and praying and what God did, including the, the this giant prophetic word that he gave me. It was something that we had to declare on the land. It was really powerful. Well, when I was going, I, I shot off an email to Christian and I said, hey, I'm going to be in New York. Would you like to meet for some coffee and uh, shake hands? So that actually became our first face-to-face. -face. When we met, it was a little awkward. And, and it was kind of messed up because my rental car got delayed an hour. So I just stood in line an hour and I had about an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and a half to meet with her. So I 
basically sat down for just a few minutes and had to go the day I arrived. So we scheduled a follow-up lunch on the day I was leaving New York, which was even more awkward. And I'll let her tell the story from her perspective because it's probably a little more accurate than mine. But the truth is, I thought at the end of it all, I wasn't going to talk to her again and had probably lost a really good moderator in the process. Anyway, sweetie, you could talk about what happened when we met for the first time in New York. So the first time we met in New York, I thought I would make it easy for Daniel. So I, I met him in Queens near uh, LaGuardia um, Airport, that car. And um, he was super late, like an hour and a half late. And, um, you know, it is what it is. The first time I have a little bit of grace. And so he comes and you could tell he was quite flustered, but he stands there and he's about to do his warfare thing. And, you know, you never know how Dan Duvall is you know if he's actually a normal person eats normal food or if he's just like a weirdo and um so he comes in and he sits and he goes god tells me nothing new and i'm like okay hi i'm christian nice to meet you too and and then he proceeds to play it cool you're laughing he proceeds to play it cool and it's like you're not looking at my eyes i know you like me like i just like you know, let's just be cool. Let's just be nice. Let's hug each other and just be like normal people. But he was trying to play it cool, very serious, very stern. And I'm just like, chill out. We're just both two people in a coffee shop. And uh, then he, we, we get coffee. You know, I say, I'll pick up the tab, your guests. And we talk for about 20 minutes. And um, it was pretty awkward, straight conversation. And then he says, I have to go. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so I just sat here for an hour and a half and you have to go. Great. So I leave, go back home. It was a little weird. Um, so then he, he sent me a text said, I'm sorry about that. He did his warfare. He was much more relaxed and said, can we meet up again when I'm leaving? So I left. I was working in New Jersey at the time. So I said, sure. Um, gave him, I said, okay, great. Let's meet up. We meet up again in Queens near, near, his, near the airport again. Go to a Thai restaurant in Queens. And he says, tell me about your business ideas. So we talk a little bit. He told me about the warfare, slaying a dragon. I'm just like, okay, great. And so then he said, tell me about your business ideas. So we start talking about some of the things and what God's doing. And I could tell he's like zoning out. Things are happening over there on his side. And he just goes, oh, oh, my gosh. I'm so weird. I'm like, what, what Daniel Duvall? What's going on? He goes, I'm really weird. I'm like. What's happening? He goes, so I can see the spirit sometimes. And I'm like, okay, what are you saying in the spirit? He's like, your spirit's talking to me right now. Famous pickup line of the decade. I'm like, really? What is my spirit saying to you, Daniel? It's saying, help me. And this is true. This is a fact. I am sitting across from (laughs) Christian and... (laughs) There are three things happening. My flesh was thinking, she's hot. My brain was trying to process her business concepts and ideas. And my spirit was talking to her spirit. And her spirit was saying, help me, help me. And I was hearing that very loud and very clear. And so... 
I'm all over the place, guys. I mean, it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like a, a mess, you know, and and that's where I, the, the thing comes out. of. So, I'm so weird. Like, how do you even navigate this this mess? And for the, some of you that have tracked with me and you're a survivor and you know what it's like to have parts talking and all that, like, maybe this makes more sense. I don't have parts like that, but I do have a functional spirit and soul and and I'll tell you. So I'm in, I'm just like going in two directions at least, maybe three. And so there I am and I just say it, your spirit's talking to me and she said, help me. And then I began to prophesy and I'm trying to leave a good impression. But what I see is the spirit of the Lord just hammering this poor, innocent woman across the table from me at Thai. And, and the more I say the lower she began to physically sink beneath the table. I could tell that she was really holding on so she didn't burst out in tears. And she, I was shocked at how much uh, she was able to withstand the pressure because, man, was God hammering her. But I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is happening right now? This is supposed to be a pleasant lunch. And this <laughs> poor woman is, like, just getting walloped thanks holy spirit and so you know i'm I'm prophesying to her about you know god's feelings about her and this and that and and so that happened um and then we left ty (laughs) and i gave her a little hug and got back in my car and she got in her car got a speeding ticket i went back to the airport (laughs) took off and i'm thinking i'm never going to hear from her again but before I left, I had made the offer to minister to her human spirit. Now, many of you have heard different testimonies of how human spirit ministry happens. And Christian was a recipient of some of that ministry for me that next weekend. I didn't know that that was going to happen or not, but I had made the offer. So anyway, before we get to the following weekend, what was going on on your end, sweetie? So I'm like, can you, you have to understand, I am a businesswoman, okay? I'm a young businesswoman who has to sit with the CEOs of my companies and the executives and have composure and I'm serious and I'm stoic and quite frankly, a bit intimidating to a lot of people. And that was my, that was my shtick, right? Like, obviously I love Jesus, but no, I had a business part and that part was just all business. And so I was not prepared to break down entirely in front of a stranger. I was not that emotionally vulnerable, definitely not at that time. And so I'm like, can you just keep it together? I'm like, to my spirit, my soul, could we not just keep ourselves composed throughout the Dandeval lunch? Did you have to tell my business? I am fine. I don't need help. Well, I do, but I don't necessarily want it right now, right? So I, I was not happy that I got ratted out, to be honest, because I just wanted to have a nice put together lunch. OK. Um, and so we made the offer and I knew it was the right thing to do, but I was going to sabotage it. So I said, OK, I'll sit down with you for a spirit workshop and you can minister to my spirit. So we decided one o'clock and I said, OK, and I'm going to book a girlfriend to go out to lunch with her and hang out with her at two. 
So I'm going to talk to him for 45 minutes and see if I, I'm a great conversationalist and I can wear him down. And then we'll have 15 minutes to minister. And, um, and then I'll say I have to go because I have something at 2. So that Saturday uh, arrived and um, I talked him down for a good 30, 35 minutes. I'm really good at doing that. And then we begin to start and four hours later, I was set free. And my girlfriend had called twice and I said, I can't talk to you right now. <laughs> and I went from going, hi, I'm, you know, I'm Christian, very serious, very stoic to, hey! <laughs> I'm Christian. I called my mom and I said, I just had ministry with Dan the Bull. And my mom was like, what did he do to you? I think he's messing with your mom. She's like, why are you so happy? <laughs> so um, the point is, is that um, it was it was a it was a twofer. Both of us got something out of it. I think Dan was thought it was cute, and he wanted to make sure I didn't have any parts. He wanted to look under the hood and inspect to make sure that all was intact. And um, I got incredible ministry to my human spirit that opened up a lot for me. And um, that's a whole another thing in terms of the incredible acceleration and release and breakthrough that happened as a result of getting in touch with my human spirit. That whole session probably could be its own its own podcast. So I won't go there. But the whole point is, after that, um, <laughs> there was a huge uh, defensive mechanism that was just pointed at any guy that came down. Um, and we, we just start talking a couple times a week. And before you know it, within a month or so, we, we both had the, I like you, I like you conversation. And then we started dating. Now, when I, story. go ahead, Daniel. When we started dating, it was, uh, well, she was in New York and I was in Texarkana. So we didn't see each other and we just spent a lot of time on the phone. Now, when we first started, and, and even throughout our courtship process, I would tell Christian a lot of things, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, we were on Mars the other day. And, oh, yeah, we were destroying grids the other day. And oh, yeah, like all the stuff that y'all listen to me talk about and, and, and the things that you wish you could ask me questions about. She took full opportunity to she, she, she asked me about everything. I mean all the different things and how this worked and the mechanics of that and all this stuff. So we, we had a lot of, you know, very factual conversations at the outset, um, not very many relational conversations, but that was, that was part of our journey. And, and, and I'll tell you, she did a lot of fact checking. <laughs> she did a lot of fact checking because she was trying to figure out, is this guy for real? Because this guy is a little out there. And, you know, Christian was a professional, so and is, and so she did a lot of fact checking. And I, I'm a, I'm gonna let you talk about some of the surprising fact checks that you uh, <laughs> tracked while we were together. So you have to understand from my perspective, I'm a spirit filled believer, but I'm a um, Stanford engineer and a Harvard Business School graduate that graduated um, with distinction, top 10% of my class, okay? So if I'm going to be hitching my wagon to this brand, it better not be a loony brand, 
Okay, like this guy better not be like delusional about what he's doing in his spirit. So um, I had, uh, for various reasons, made friends with a lot of the clients, and they would call me and tell me the stories, and that was one point of, uh, of, of uh, validating some of the things they had said. But what was actually happening was that I found this out later, much later, that God was actually purposely putting um, a lot of things that Daniel worked on, works on in the news as a way to validate his veracity to me. And so one example of this is, the Montauk, and he actually mentioned this um, in public a while ago, but when he did the Montauk work the first time I met him, the day after he left, um, they announced that they were canceling plans to bring a pillar from the Temple of Baal into Times Square, which would have opened up a massive demonic portal for all kinds of uh, dark agendas into that city. And it was literally, this thing had been planned out for at least a year or more, and it was literally the day after he left and finished the Montauk um, warfare that that plan was, that cancellation of that plan was there. And I was like, hmm, okay, that's interesting. Um, Daniel talked a lot at that time about destroying financial grids and um, how he was working on financial grids vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Rothschild banking system and a lot of stuff in Europe. You have to understand, Daniel does not follow the news. He's not a researcher. He's a practitioner. He just does what God tells him to do. He's not coming up with a story about how things should work. He's just literally confronting things in the spirit. And so um, shortly after some of that massive stuff, I look up, because I follow the news. I'm a current events person. Right? It's how you, in business, you have to kind of follow what's going on with stock markets, what's going on with poli you know, uh, politics. And I say to Dan, I said, I think this is what you did. He's like, what? I'm like, Brexit. And he goes, what's Brexit? I'm like, Dan, okay? Stick with okay. Me. Now, you're, now you're really blowing me up. <laughs> you did say that. I did say that. That's true. This is a true story, folks. I actually, I didn't know what Brexit was until Christian told me. And I was like, oh my gosh. Because I knew when I heard that, that was not what the powers of darkness wanted to happen. And it was right before that that in the spirit working with some of the survivors that I, I work with in, in bringing justice and freedom from bondage, we had destroyed a whole series. I, I, it may have been hundreds of financial grids connecting to the Rothschild banking system. And so that was profound for me too. Go ahead, sweetie. So this one I don't really share a lot because um, I personally don't like to get into contentious politics, um, meaning people usually have very visceral reactions, particularly this day and age, around Republican or Democrat or whatever. But so I don't even necessarily share this a lot with my family because I don't I don't actually necessarily want a um, a response. But when I talked to Dan in June, he told me very very clearly that in the spirit Donald Trump will be president, is already president in spirit. And I personally, and I know this is this audience, am not the biggest Donald Trump fan, okay? I, I was not a fan of Hillary Clinton, but I was not a Donald Trump fan. And I was like, okay, okay. I like you, Dan Duvall, but this doesn't make any sense. Donald Trump is, 20, is down 25% in the polls, and he keeps goofing all over himself. I'm just really confused by this. And so... Throughout this time period of June through the fall, I would, as I said, I I'd, um, met a lot of the survivors, the clients, and became friends with them. Part of that was just circumstantial. Part of it, I actually 
like to hear, you know, kind of, I'm interested in kind of the survivor journey. And it'll call me on the phone and say, your boyfriend's amazing. This is what happened, such and such, or this or this or this. And did, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't exactly know if I want this guy to win because of the kind of things that I'm seeing and hearing. But I kind of don't want Danny to be wrong because then I may have to break up with him because that means he's kind of, you know, completely invalidated <laughs> because he had maintained and maintained that Donald Trump was going to win. And he had consistently talked about the exploit spirit was doing was doing in his spirit to make sure that that he did. And I think the the heavenly's agenda around Donald Trump winning was much more around destroying the New World Order agenda and having Hillary Clinton sit in that highest seat of the office and what that the level of corruption that would have brought to the to the world. And so I don't want to get into politics, but um, but essentially I'm sitting here on election night. Daniel um, calls me up and says it's finished. Hillary Clinton is finished. Okay, <laughs> he says there is a huge super rigged agenda implicating that that was happening with the actual voting election systems that just got take, taken down at 6 p.m. November 2nd, 2016. And I remember I'm in New York sitting on my laptop in my bed, and this is just like, this is the size the fate of a lot more than just the election. This guy is going to be proven here and now whether or not <laughs> he's actually a real a real thing. And um, sure enough, Trump just started sweeping across the nation to not just my surprise and your surprise. I mean, everybody, the entire world was astounded by the level of victory that Donald Trump was able to accomplish and defeated Hillary Clinton, he, even though he was down 10 points in the poll up until that moment. And so um, I can go on and on. But the truth is, it's even to this day, I could see something happen on the news and I'm like, what is Dan doing in a session? Because I know, I know the mark of when uh, Daniel's kind of messing around with some stuff in the spirit that shows up on the, on the, on the uh, front page of the newspaper. And so, um, yeah, it's really, it, it was, it was really cool to see. And that's just a few stories out of uh, a lot of stuff that over that courtship that is, uh, God has used to prove uh, that Daniel Duvall is a real thing. <laughs> Folks, the truth is, the the day of the election, I, I had just gotten off the phone with the survivor. And, and here's where this begins to get grounded out. The, when a person has been subjected to grave injustice, they are a witness. And... When a witness testifies in court, a judgment can be rendered. And so when I'm working with survivors, I leverage this technique I call the testimony of the witness. And I will, you know, in, with, with using heavenly courts, leverage testimonies of survivors of grave injustices into massive judgments in the spirit realm capable of collapsing entire realms, timelines, and things bigger than that and we use that a lot and of course that goes in addition with all the other types of spiritual warfare that we on the actual election day uh when we were doing some work before the election this, it was a massive construct some of it was on the earth in the spirit some of it was in the heavens in the spirit i'm not going to get into all the details 
but it implicated even the voting booth somehow, but it was being manipulated from the spirit realm. And, and I don't know how to explain it all mechanically, like this is this and this is that. I know that what we did in the spirit destroyed the whole thing. And when it broke, I knew it, the person I was working with knew it, and we got off the phone, and I popped a bag of popcorn and sat on my couch, gave Christian a call, and I said, hey, Hillary Clinton's done, it's finished. And I, that night, in my Texarkana apartment, ate that popcorn and laughed all night at these pundits who could literally not figure out why the script they were given didn't actually play out. And they were so angry. And I remember marveling. I've, I, I said, I've never seen newscasters be so upset about the outcome of an election as I'm seeing right now. And well, hey, you know, it happened. I didn't get on a podcast after it to tell the story because this is one of those things that it's really heard best out of the mouth of someone else. But I'll tell you the other winner. It was only, I'd say, a few days before that, at the very end of October, we got engaged and praise God, we stayed engaged. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably because I'm like, yep, he's for real. I may be able to uh, tie my brain to his, hitch my wagon to this train. So I'm, I'm going to tell this story because I, I know that all of you are thinking, how did you, how did you propose Dan Duvall? And I'm going to give a special shout out to Jeff and Jan Jansen and Global Fire Ministries because when... We got engaged, you know, again, we're living in separate cities, but Jeff had invited Christian and they actually flew her in for a conference and I was there speaking for a conference. And so they got her her hotel room, they got her her plane ticket, and she was able to sit in on the conference and be part of it while I was there. And so uh, unbeknownst to her, I had called her parents before going and asked them if I could request their daughter's hand in marriage. And uh, they said yes. And so when we were there, I'm going through this conference thinking the whole time, I'm going to propose this weekend. And, you know, we didn't have that many face-to-faces. So you kind of have to decide what you're going to do. And I think that uh, (laughs) at one point... um, Jeff had actually thought I was going to propose to her in front of the entire conference, which I would never have done knowing Christian that would have not been a win. So I, 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 I waited until the conference was over and we went on a date in Nashville and it was a really beautiful night and we had gone out to eat, took a walk. And as the sun was setting over a bridge in Nashville and there was all this wonderful music in the background because there they play music and all of the little restaurants and bars and things down the street. We went to an area on the bridge while the sun was setting and it was there that I proposed. Can I tell the rest? Please. So we're on this bridge and Daniel's hugging me and I'm, and I, you know, I'm a very, as you probably could tell, um, upfront kind of person. I'm like, why is your heart beating so fast? And he's like, my heart's not beating fast. I'm like, mm, okay. And 
And you know what? The truth was, Daniel's heart always beats really fast when he's around me. So I'm like, okay, this is just another day. And so um, he, we go and we walk, we sit down, and then he pulls out the box and, um, and just proposes in the sweetest, most lovely way. And my response was, did you ask my mom? <laughs> did she say yes? And after that, I, you know, he said, yes. And, you know, he explained to me the whole story. And I'm like, okay. And then I said, well, we haven't even gotten to a big fight yet. Because at that time, I thought you couldn't actually get engaged until you had a huge blow-up fight. And he said to me, that's okay, Christian. Now you know that when we get into a big fight, I'll still be here. And I said, okay. And I'll take it from there. And so uh, it was just a beautiful night um, in Nashville. And, um yeah, it was, it was great. So, the good news is that I was engaged and Christian was engaged to me and it was beautiful for about 30 seconds. And and I'm going to tell you why. And we weren't actually planning on talking about this part, but I, I, I feel like it's actually going to be a very healthy thing to bring this part of the story up in the context of this conversation. And as many of you know, Bride Ministries, beginning in about November of 2016, underwent huge attack. And it, it was a very painful season. One of my closest friends and a survivor who I was in a deep fellowship with uh, turned on the ministry in, in, in a way that was just absolutely painful. It was painful to me. It was painful to the other survivors. And it was part of an agenda that got unleashed against the ministry. I think in response to a lot of the spiritual warfare we had been doing and the ground that had been getting taken. And the agenda was to take bride ministries out. And it was through slander. And it was through... uh, published libel and frankly um, it was through the people that were closest to me and ultimately led to the entire disintegration of what I would call my inner circle and this was something that Christian had to navigate with me as we were trying to navigate our um, engagement period we were also simultaneously navigating probably the largest spiritual attack I had ever come under in my life to that point. It was very public. And, you know, I'm going to actually have Christian talk to you guys about what that was like from her perspective. You know, for me, I mean, even now in this podcast, I'm not going to say anything more than survivors do get triggered sometimes and many survivors carry programming to take down ministries and if that programming gets triggered they will act and and that's certainly what we witnessed happening uh at that time with someone i considered a very very close friend and um it was very difficult not only for me but for a christian who had to determine what am I going to do 
because I am now engaged to a guy who's being accused of everything from being a Luciferian to being a, uh, a, 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 a an abusive coach to I mean on and on and on. So, Christian, what was it like for you beginning in November and and kind of going through to March when everything began to fall off? It was a bifurcated experience because at one hand, because we were dating long distance, we would spend hours and hours and hours on the phone. And I think Daniel was trying to spare me from this for the first three or four months of our dating or courtship. We would spend three or four hours on the phone and I was doing excessive amounts of due diligence, which is not, I guess, now that I know what you necessarily do in a relationship, but I would just ask him question after question after question after question. It was an incredibly uh, interrogative interaction. And so as a result, I got to know Daniel the way he thought very, very, very well. Moreover, I got to know his lifestyle, what he did, because when he was not working, he was on the phone with me. And so what I had observed from Daniel is an incredibly earnest um, man of God who was very, very sincere in what he did. Um, and I, I really couldn't find a lot of fault, even if I tried to reach for it because I had my own protection issues going on with um, how he comported himself. But, you know, he was just like a, a, love, a lovely person. And But at the same time, I'm getting all these accusations that I'm having to forced to deal with, right? And I have a life. I have a very high paying job. I have great friends in New York City. I've been there for eight, eight years on and off. Um, I have a lot to lose. I have a lot to give up. And um, if I'm going to go this track, right? And, and that whole part of where I thought my life could go was also being called to call into question as I consider joining up forces with Dan Duvall because I understand that there is a higher level of spiritual vocation of weight of every single thing that I do and so I realized that if I'm going to enter into this this is going to change the course potentially of my direction with um with of my life and it could be great um you know if it's great right and so it's it, it was a high cost decision on the back of seeing Daniel navigate the situation incredibly well. I mean, he was, you know, it was really his, a lot of um, the accusations were pointing at him. And what I would notice is that the community was hurting. And instead of dealing with his own hurt, he was counseling the community through what they were going through as a result of, of that. And so I saw a lot of kindness out of him. And um, I just saw a guy being hammered. But at the same time, and this is something I know much better now than what I knew then, but I was getting an excessive amount of attack in my like soul and my in my mind to turn me against Daniel in the same way the other people have been turned against Daniel. And the truth is, this is not something that I actually understood was going on at the time. I didn't understand it until I was out of the situation and other people start reporting back about the attacks that they were getting against Daniel. And I had a level of commiseration with them because I experienced it myself and so um it, it, and so the way it manifests is um it's just like this um this you know whatever daniel actually does this is the way i think about in the spirit we all come with our own insecurities fears or place of hurt in which we have not actually healed from and the devil knows how to take i think it's obviously through witchcraft another kind of 
stuff, what Daniel does, and places a veil over it so that it looks like what you are afraid of, what you have not been healed from, what your issues are. And then that becomes magnified to a point that you actually can't see Daniel's actions in earnest as they actually are. Instead, you actually see them through this lens and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until you are able to actually mount an accusation against him. And now he has to become accountable to respond to (laughs) your own brokenness being exploited. And I'm not saying this to, I'm not saying this as this is something that goes on with other people. I'm saying this is what was going on with me and my relationship with Daniel, right? And so um, I didn't know this at the time, but a lot of the issues we were having, everything got so heightened and big. And the closer I got to leaving my job, walked away from my job and moving to Texas, all this stuff was exploding even more. And they launched as much of an attack as possible. It was as if they threw all of hell at me to get me from moving to Texas. I was moving to Texas in March. Um, I had enough of my job and we were deciding, we were still in courtship and we we're deciding where we we're gonna live. And um, I, there was just an onslaught of mental attack in my mind, trying to get me to second guess myself, second guess my decision and second guess Daniel. And um, whatever they could use to cause doubt, they would do it. It wasn't until I was in Sweden. As soon as I left New York, I went to Sweden for about a week and a half to visit. I went to Sweden to hang out with myself. And then I went to uh, Amsterdam to hang out with a friend. When a former survivor who had gotten, um, you know, coaching for at least a year with Bride Ministry for free sent a letter to the board with just libelous just attacks against Daniel. And when I first read it, I was in a hotel room in Sweden. I was going to go out, and I'm like, ooh, you know, this is just another bad thing about him. And then I read it again, and I saw how vile and just factually incorrect and disgusting it was, and even the spirit of sending a letter slandering a leader to, to their board of someone who's received help for over a year. I just saw the slander and the ugliness of it, and I realized that I was that that the content of these letters part of it was to influence my decision and it was very very clear that the enemy did not want Daniel and I to to get together and to be together and they were using a lot of these attacks to try to change my heart and mind about Daniel and say this is just too messy you need to journey this by yourself I can't go on this journey with you I mean it's different if you're sitting in your house waiting for a guy but I never wanted to be married I was not interested I pay I can pay my own bills I can cover my own life I had a whole version of my life that did not include uh, a man, and it definitely didn't include Daniel. And so it wasn't that hard to try to use those places within me to launch an attack against uh, Daniel and to call this quits. But um, that, at that point, the enemy had showed his ugly, reared his ugly head about the, the nature, the true nature of these allegations, and I knew that I was going to stick this through, and I was not going to let the enemy deter me from what God was doing with us. And so it was an ugly point. But Daniel grew a lot. There was a lot of maturity that came out of him. And the truth about Daniel is he's in earnest. There's no other way to say it, which means at the end of the day, he always wants to, to do the right thing. And so if any time he does it, he is quick to submit to wisdom, quick to submit to correction, and um, really try to bring a spirit of unity and cohesion throughout the entire process. And he was very um, disciplined in not opening up his mouth 
when there were so many uh, public accusations being said against him that were just lies. He he relied on the Lord to be his defender, and for that I, I uh, saw a level of discipline, and that's the kind of person I would want to join life with and do life with. And so that was a really, it was a tough period. I, I think that they threw as much at us in our relationship as they possibly could, but it didn't work. And things broke open, you know, when, 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 um, when I got to Texas in a lot of ways. And then, um, and then we, um, we got married in May and, um, and moved to Dallas in June. And then you want to kind of introduce that story because that's when I, that's really when, so you have to understand business world, I got this whole thing unlocked. And then I move over to this highly high profile person in the spirit. And he is actually very high profile in the spirit. And I had my own um, giftings and callings that I wasn't really aware of that made me very high profile in the spirit. And the truth is, I don't fully understand them now myself, but I have a much better grasp of it. So we're two very high profile people in the spirit that are coming together. And we had decided, I mean, we didn't decide, the Lord had decided that Dallas was where we were going to land. And so, um, before I get to that story, yeah. did you want to say anything before we get to the moving to Dallas and what that was all about? Yeah, I, yeah. I will just say this. You know, folks, I'm not the first and I certainly will not be the last minister and person that is confronting the kingdom of darkness in, in radical ways to come under the attack of accusation, slander, libel, gossip, so on and so forth, betrayal, backstabbing. It is a very run-of-the-mill attack against leaders in the body of Christ and many, many leaders that are having a profound impact have to go through this test. Even Jesus had to be betrayed by Judas, his close, one, one of his closest comrades. And there's something about being betrayed by those closest to you that graduates you into a level of Christ-likeness that you're not going to you know, step into any other way. Jesus had to be betrayed by Judas, and that was prophesied. And um, the good news is that in the season that we were going through our engagement, it created a, a, a cauldron of pressure. And what we were able to come through that with was something very solid between us that would withstand all kinds of pressure going into the future. I know that. I mean, our relationship has been beautiful since we've been married, but um, just learning how to navigate very difficult circumstances at a, at a point in our relationship where everything is just being birthed and is totally new uh, was looking back priceless. And uh, I am so personally appreciative for someone like Christian who was able to see through the fog. And, and I'll say this, on the outset of what happened, many people came back to Bride Ministries to me personally and either apologized or just jumped back on board with us and said, we realize what happened. And, you know, we support you. As, as a matter of fact, at this point, Bride Ministries is in the best position financially and otherwise we've ever been, stronger than we've ever been. And, and Christian's been a huge part of that. But I will say, you know, uh, wow, what a season to navigate and to grow through. Now, when we got married, we, we, we actually uh, came together in kind of two phases. We 
we eloped essentially while planning the wedding that was to be in October. <laughs> and in coming together, like Christian said, there was a lot of activity around that as well. <laughs> and even when Christian moved to redo the Bride Ministries website, which everybody appreciates, including me, probably most of all, streamlined all of our workflows and stuff, she underwent the most difficult uh, website project I think she's ever taken on because of the spiritual warfare around that project. I, I think she was floored by it as well. She had just not seen that kind of resistance before. But then everything went to another level when we were moving to Dallas and to move into our apartment together. And that occurred while we were actually on the road driving. We had loaded up the truck. My car was full. I moved out of my apartment and now we're driving to Dallas and she's about a mile ahead of me in the road in my car when I suddenly see my car just veer left sharp left in the middle of the highway and I'm back there thinking what is going on because I don't see a sharp left in the highway and then I see a sharp right and I realize that she is fishtailing all over the highway and I mean we're talking about we're driving in a light drizzle there's absolutely no reason why this should be happening unless Someone hit her from behind and, you know, knocked her off on an angle or something. And I suddenly went into a state of concern. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's spinning out of control. And so I'm just driving to catch up. She pulls off. A car pulls off behind her. And I pull up right in front in the truck. And I run out of the car and I, you know, grab her out of the car. The uh, side airbags had exploded. And she was fine. And I'm like, oh my goodness, Christian, what happened? Are you okay? Are you fine? Are you injured? What's going on? And she was okay. No injury, nothing. And I thought the people that were behind her had hit her. But they hadn't. They just wanted to make sure she was okay as well. And there was no explanation in the natural as to why the car spun out of control. It just did. And fortunately, she was okay but ultimately, the car got totaled. Anyway, sweetie, why don't you tell our listeners what actually happened to you? Sure. So I just want to kind of fill the gap in about why we did our marriage in two stages. So um, we had originally planned our mar marriage for May 2017. And to be honest with you, with all of the stuff that was happening, all of the attacks, I got a little freaked out. And I'm like, let's move this back to October. And it actually ended up working out because of all that needed to be planned. But um, when I, when we had decided, we finished our premarital counseling and we decided that Dallas was the place that God was sending us, I was praying about it because I'd left my job and um, I was praying about what I was going to do and this. I was staying with my parents in Houston at the time. And God said to me very clearly, you can stay in Houston until September, October if you want, but your assignment's in Dallas. And so you're not going to like where you are three or four months from now because you're gonna be in the exact same place because that your assignment is not to be Houston. And I am not a person who likes to waste my life or to waste my time. So I told Daniel, look, this is what God said. So we decided that, okay, well, we already decided May, let's just elope in May and move in June because every day I'm sitting here in Houston, I'm wasting my time. And so uh, that's why we decided to move early. Anyway, that day when we moved, Daniel's right. I moved myself from Houston to Texarkana. We moved ourselves from Texarkana to Dallas. And so on our way, 
we're about um, 30 minutes or probably 30 to 45 minutes away from from our location on the bounds of Dallas. Um, I was actually in a worship, listening to, to worship music and just having a really good, great time with um, the Lord, driving Daniel's car. And something in my, me just drove up ahead of the traffic. Went, you know, 85 miles an hour, you could go. I drove up ahead of the traffic, went out about a mile ahead and cleared the space. So I was completely by myself. I don't know why I did that. I was in worship and I did it. And before I knew it, as soon as I kind of cleared the traffic, it was as if someone had took it, taken over control of my car and uh, the, the steering wheel just like veered over, like someone had actually physically taken it and veered it over to hit the median. And, and this has never happened to me before in my life. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm trying to, I'm going 80, 80 miles an hour, the speed limit 75, it was cruise control. I wasn't going any faster. I was in the, you know, the right-hand lane, wasn't in the fast lane. I'm just cruising. And I'm trying to pull it back while slowing it down without spinning because it felt like I was spinning. And as soon as I would tap it a little one way, it would go all the way, veer over all the way to the other side, into the other ditch. And this happened about three or four times. And I'm just like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm like, I'm gonna hit something. So inside of the car, I hear this huge bang and I'm like, whoa, okay, I just hit something. I don't know what's happening. And I hit my head against something. The airbags explode. I finally, because of that, the car slows down. I get over to the side and the people behind me go, what happened? They were so concerned. They're like, you just, you know, spend out of control. Daniel comes up behind me. This is his beautiful BMW that's cash paid for, but he could see how, what happened. So he wasn't upset at all. And he just said, no worries, sweetie, you know, we'll get you. We had a group of people from bride ministry who was going to be waiting at our house to, um, to help us move in. And they just said, listen, Christian, calm down. Don't, you know, just get your emotions together, get your emotions together. And this is at this time, what became really clear to me was around how the enemy uses our emotions in order to launch attacks against us. The first thing is I had not kept that time um, over the move covered in prayer. And so we found this later on when we went to the courts of heaven. I had not kept that time covered in prayer because I was too busy doing the day-to-day physical thing of moving, planning, getting this together, getting that together, making sure the U-Haul's here, making sure we have our rental stuff together. I had not covered it in prayer. And so what the enemy does is he loves to launch an attack, an initial attack at you that creates frustration, particularly during times of that there's frustration to be had, like moving and probe you with that frustration. And then once you respond with frustration or anger or disappointment or whatever it is, he then harvests that energy and then makes the attack bigger and then throws it back at you. And then you give him more to work with and he makes it bigger, then he throws a beach ball size attack at you. Boom. And it's just a big, huge feedback loop going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, that allows the enemy to launch something really large. When we went to the courts of heaven, I'm telling this because this is when I realized I was not in Kansas anymore, proverbially speaking. Guess who shows up? Satan shows up. Queen of the heaven. Queen of uh, Queen of heaven shows up. Poseidon shows up. Bunch of Illuminati family shows up. Um, some local covens show up, and they all tried to launch an assassination attempt against me because they did not want me in Dallas. And this is where I was like, okay. This is what it's like. This is what this is going to be about. When we go to do something and we go to move something, all of hell is watching. And so I can't keep doors open, windows open, 
things can't be open. Things have to be prayed for in a very spiritually diligent manner. And immediately I got my emotions in check. I got myself in check. We prayed. The people that were at our house, the bride tribe, were here. They prayed for us. I had no physical, um, you know, you know, uh, implications of having hit my head. We were up, moving. You wouldn't even tell. All the prayers that were prayer, prayed were honored. Um, we lost our car. Um, but I realized just how serious of a union I was entering into and how serious the implications were for our lives and everything that we did. Week later, lost my car. Who shows up? Satan's in there. Tinker. I mean, don't you think he has something better to do? I mean, we really do. We don't realize. I didn't think I, I got it, like how big this really was until, you know, Satan's in there messing with my transition. So within transmission. So within two weeks, Jay and I had both lost both of our cars. And the first three weeks of our marriage in Dallas was like climbing through quicksand, walking through quicksand. Everything was so difficult. And Daniel and I together as a union were, were great. You know, we, we didn't have any problems. The transition was easy between the two of us. But we looked at each other every day and we were like, why is everything so hard? But during that time, we were subduing this area. And um, just on the back end of all of that, there is so much peace in our home. There is so much angelic activity in our home. Um, we have people who come by our home and they say, whoa, there's all kinds of huge angels outside your home. It's well fortress. People come inside of our home and say, I just want to stay here because there's so much angelic activity. I can hear the angels' wings fluttering. They see portals opening. It's like an angelic highway in here. Um, our, my office is, we have three floors, and so my office is all kinds of angelic dance parties going on. I mean, when uh, angels in Dallas or around the world are frustrated with dealing with Christians who don't know how to use them, they come here and they relax, they get some bread of life, living water, they, you know, love our atmosphere, go back out and do their assignments. And so, um, but in that time, we have subdued it, and people have remarked being in this area, they feel that we have um, adequately subdued this environment to make it conducive for what Daniel does and for, for ultimate for what I do. So anyway, it's 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 serious, and um, we're going to talk about our wedding, which shows you just how serious it is in a second. So, but before we talk about the wedding, we're going to talk about debt, folks. Here's the thing that happened: we we had we had this massive revelation on on debt uh, right out the gate, coming together. Now, for me, and I've shared this story many times, I've been debt-free for years. I had a house, and it sold, and uh, from that increase, I became debt-free, and, and since 2015, I've never looked back. And so when I began to deal with things and constructs in the spirit, touching banking systems, touching uh, systems of control and enslavement through debt, I was not experiencing any backlash from that. And part of that's because yeah, I do have a lot of angels that are on assignment with me to protect me, make sure I don't just like die from some random incident because people are doing witchcraft against me and Bride Ministries literally every day. Uh, but also because I was debt-free, and so there I was not really participating in a debt system that could bring an accusation against me. And 
you know, it, 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 for, for, for our situation, it kind of looks like this. Let's say God gives you an assignment. He says, okay, I need you to burn down all the storehouses in this enemy's field. And you go and you begin to set fire to the enemy's storehouses. But then you realize, wait a minute. I want to go get some milk on the way back. So you walk around to the front door of the house and say, hey, you know, I'm setting all your barns on fire, but could I borrow $5 to go buy some milk on the way home? And it's like, that, that's, that, that's not the way it works. You can't do that. And so uh, Christian came into our marriage and she had some student loans and she had the cash to pay the student loans, but she wanted to hold on to the cash and they were low interest student loans. So traditional logic would say, keep the loans and hold on to your cash and pay the low interest while you keep your capital and leverage your capital into something more profitable, which I would traditionally agree with in my former thinking. But when we came together, things started to happen. First, I lost my car. And it was, I mean, there was no bringing that back. And, and so then we had to go. And then I began to pray about buying a new car. And what came back in my prayer time was buy it cash. You're not allowed to lease or, or, or get a loan on a car and get a car payment. Buy it cash. And... So I, I had my eye on several vehicles, and I'm like, well, I guess that category is gone. I'm going to have to look in a different direction, which I did, and God bless. But at the same time, you know, she lost her car, and we were planning on using her car for a while when we first got married. Just, you know, say, well, at least we have that. But that was gone. <laughs> I mean, and, it's, and, and as we're going through, things aren't quite working out. Stuff is being delayed. Even we're ordering stuff in the mail. It's getting delayed. Things are just off kilter. And then there came a day where I was sharing with Christian's story about some kind of exploit that we had in spirit. And I'm not going to get into the details of all of that, but it was like something went off in her. And I'm going to let her finish telling the story about her revelation on the debt, at least as it goes in respect to us. Yeah, so it, it was so. What's just to back up a little bit? I had gone to to, to HBS, and that's not in the cheap school. It's a hundred thousand dollar a year school, but the Lord had blessed. I had a, a decent amount of scholarship, and when my first priority getting out of school, uh, out of business school, was to pay off my debt. So by the time we had gotten together, I mean, I mean, within a year and a half, by year and a half of um, year and a half to two years of having graduated from business school, I'd paid off hundred thousand dollars in debt um because i was just so serious about getting it down but my uh my debt from undergraduate wasn't very you know big and you know i said i just keep it i'm gonna be leaving my job soon i'd rather have the money and um and 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 use that as a comfortable position for myself daniel the story again doesn't matter but when it but it was something in my spirit that even to this day, I haven't been able to completely, because it doesn't comport, it doesn't actually translate exactly. It's not a linear uh, way in which to describe how this, how this story responded to my spirit, but my spirit absolutely was convinced that I had to pay off my debt. And I just got up, we were sitting outside in our patio, and I said, I have to go, I have to pay off my debt. So I literally went over, transferred the money for my, you know, savings to my checking, put the money in, paid it off right there. I mean, within five minutes, I paid it off. And Daniel, you know, Dan's kind of goofy. Oh, look, don't you feel great? You're dead free just like me. Man. And I said, Daniel, I need a minute. I need a minute because the Holy Spirit just fell on me so 
heavy. And I just begin to praise God and speak. It was just so heavy, this release in my spirit. And the Lord said to me, I can now release your inheritance to you. And that was so powerful, but also like concerning. Like, wait, what? What do you mean now you can release my inheritance to you? So the Lord took me a little bit of a word study on debt. And um, I started looking at debt in the Bible. And the Hebrew word for debt, if you look at a Hebrew Strong's importance, is H5378, and it's Nashah. And it means exactly what you think. It's interest, creditor, with, you know, debt, exact, you know, usury. It's exactly what you think it is. But there's a, another word, which is Hebrews 5377, which is right next to it, and it's Nashah. And you know what it means? It means deceived, beguiled seduced and led astray and the first mention of this is in genesis 3 and 13 um when they talk about what happened with eve when she took the fruit she was nasha or deceived and it, it just when i saw this i was like it was just something in the pit of my stomach why is debt the same word for deceived oftentimes in the bible when they use the the word for debt it's exact right they use it exact but they're saying the exact amount or whatever. And they're actually, think about if you put deceived or beguiled in there, it really changes the, the, the whole meeting. And so I asked God, start getting into the details of what this really meant. And in school, we learn that in economic terms, debt represents a call on your future earnings or your future assets, right? And a call is a obligate or right to, okay? So when you are going to buy a $50,000 car and you make, $50,000 a year, and you have other bills you need to pay, okay? You, so you can't literally afford to put $50,000 in cash in the car. When you go to buy that car with debt, what you are saying is, I don't have the money now, but over the next three years, I will have that money. And when I get my check of $5,000, you take, you have the right to take the top of that before anything else get paid, before I put anything in my savings, you get your money back, your $500 a month um, back so that you can pay, I can pay off this note. So that debt company actually has a right to your future earnings. And so the more I start looking at what Daniel does in the spirit and how it translates into the natural and what we do in the spirit and what, you know, how the spirit worlds interact with the natural, it became very clear to me that when you create debt, and then again, this is not, I am not trying to condemn those who create debt. I believe financial decisions are things that should be done between you and God, and I am not trying to create a platform of theology by which everyone needs to live. So just take this about, this is what Daniel and I have come to. The revelation that God was giving me is that when you create debt, you are saying, you are creating a contractual agreement in the spirit that actually has weight on your future inheritance. And that is a very dangerous place to be. And so as long as I had debt on the books, even though I had the cash to back it up, so I was really debt neutral in real life, the enemy has a way to thwart my finances, reroute the financial flow that God has for me, and create strains on Dan and our lives that um, would not happen if the debt were not there. And so it's a very profound um, revelation that I had because so let's go back to the the, the, the beguiled and deceived 
this is why the beguiling and the deception makes so sense the debt because you are being deceived out of your own inheritance out of having the full right to your own future income and i don't know if i explained that very well but it was a very very profound revelation for me and um because of the work we do it's an occupational hazard to have that contractual right in the spirit for the enemy to reroute our finances to stop our financial flow and to do it on the basis of our participation in the Rothschild banking system and the next day after i paid back that debt everything that we had been slothing through broke mm. and mm. we have pretty much not looked back Yep, that's that's that, that that's pretty much what happened, guys. I I think you did an outstanding job explaining that. Thank you, honey. You know, you, you did really good, really really good. Here's the thing. For 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 people who are pursuing their actual mandate in the kingdom of God, there is a great deal of opposition. There is a great deal of opposition. And the enemy is going to work any angle that he can. And he was, in a sense, calling in the debt by destroying our assets. <laughs> because there was a, a, a note out on future earnings in the spirit as well as the natural. And so when the enemy is scraping for anything he can get his hands on, that's what he went for. And we were feeling it so we found a great deal of peace overtook us in our marriage as we we made that transition and i'm just praising god that we were able to make that transition i know that there are many people that are going to listen to that testimony and say well i wish i could make that transition but i can't because i don't have the cash in my bank account to pay off the debt that i have incurred and there's a grace for that i think that uh, th there is a huge message around setting your heart on debt freedom and pursuing strategic uh, implementations of new strat strategies, you know, with the Lord to achieve that. So with that said, we're not going to go any further on that, but that takes us through the summer and then we finally arrive at the wedding time. And th this is a joyous time in any person's life because y you're going to have a celebration and an event around your love, around the joy and the gift of relationship. And Christian had a great idea and said, you know, Daniel, let's do our wedding in a beautiful place called Bali. And I was like, of course we should do our wedding in a place called Bali on the other side of the world. It sounds like so much fun. I didn't even think about the fact that it was an extremely pagan nation or that there were idols everywhere and it was extremely Hindu and some of these gods over there might not be so happy that Dan Duvall and his wife are now walking on their territory with their prayers and their angels and their stuff. And so I didn't even think about it when she first brought it up. I'm just like, yeah, great idea. And next thing we know, we are in the throes of all-out war. And it's a sobering thing to come to the revelation that you just don't travel without the spirit realm taking notice. And and the funny thing is, you would think that there would be some 
diplomatic arrangements. It's like, well, he doesn't <laughs> want to do war here. He just wants to get married here and then go home. So maybe we should just leave him alone and let him be fine. That way they don't attack. But no, no, that's not how these demons think. They just get angry and they have issues. Demons have issues, folks. They have a tick, they have pride, they have all kinds of stuff going on. So here we are, and we are finally arriving at the wedding. These guys are upset, and then there's a rock in the windshield. Yeah, so the rock in the windshield, it actually starts a little bit before that. The story is actually quite interesting, but we're going to have to wait until next week to find out what happened at the wedding and the honeymoon and everything after that. I'm so sorry, folks. You are listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Ball. See you next week. Boom. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. If you would like to connect with us at Bride Ministries or to support what we are doing financially, visit us at www.bridemovement.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.